Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You are a visionary. You have a vision. You just need to create it and bring it to life. Welcome to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with your host, Kate Ebner. Our program will be an hour of inspiration from leaders who are making their visions happen and will set you on the path to having a big impact through your leadership and the life you really want. Now here's your host, Kate Ebner. Good morning. I'm Kate. Welcome to our show this morning. Last summer, in the span of two months, three people whom I respect very much handed me Chris McGough's book, The Primes, and said, Kate, read this. I did. And today, I'm just delighted to host a conversation with Chris McGough so that you can meet him and learn what he knows about how any group can solve any problem. Chris is the founder of The Clearing, Inc., a Washington, D.C.-based management consulting firm that's dedicated to supporting change agents as they tackle daunting problems. He's worked for many agencies of the U.S. federal government, as well as organizations like IBM, AARP, Consul Energy, DuPont, the United Nations, the World Bank, and Boeing. Chris, welcome to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life. Thank you, Kate. Good morning, and good morning to your listeners. Thank you. You know, Chris, as I've been thinking about you um, joining me this morning, you know, you've spent the last three decades helping governments and organizations find new transformative possibilities for a better world. This is a big, huge mission. And I know that in the course of, of this work, you really have done some amazing things, helping leaders to take on some of these most difficult problems. Um, I thought it would be helpful for our listeners if we could just begin with having you give a little bit of background about your organization, The Clearing, and um, perhaps a little bit about you. Sure. The Clearing is a management consulting company, and it's a, a group of people who have, for whatever reason, a calling or a choice, um, have decided to go kind of beyond reading the paper or commenting about the world, and, and they really are stepping up and working with senior leaders in the private sector, governments, NGOs, to drive transformational change and problem solving, and um, they inspire me every day. The kind of where they draw from is a, this book called The Prime, so it kind of organizes everything, but um, they come with all their, you know, all their gifts and all their strengths, and they just, they're so courageous, they play full out. I love it. I have heard fantastic things about, about the work of your team and the people at the clearing. And, you know, I want to just um, have you move us right to talking a little bit about the primes. And I know this is a comprehensive approach to helping organizations and groups really solve uh, weighty problems of consequence. But tell us, what, in your words, what are the primes? Right. Well, the primes are really as old as fire, um, I think that when the first fire was put down and a group sat around it, 
the primes showed up. Hmm. Um, they're really universal patterns of group behavior, and they're as pervasive as gravity. They operate all over the world. Uh, they operate in West Africa. They operate in Asia. Um, so they're really part of the human experience. They're inextricably linked to how we relate to each other, especially around change and transformation. And to be to be distinguished as a prime, we have to be able to prove that they existed in ancient scripture. We have to see them in real time today, and then we have to believe that they will be um, part of our experience, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years into the future. So they're not a tool. They're not a method. They're an actual phenomena embedded in social interaction. And and your book um, really talks about the 46 um, primes, and, and you call them universal patterns of high performance. Um, 46 of them. How did you come up with 46? <laughs> well, that number is bigger than I wanted it to be <laughs> for all your listeners. I mean, here's some numbers for you right now. I just checked on Amazon about 20 minutes ago, but if you type in transformation, there's 38,245 books that come up. That's a lot of books. If you type in leadership, there's over 96,000 books available. Hmm. If you type in problem solving, there's over 160,000 books available. And if you type in change, there's 377,588 books available. So there's just this body of information that's out there. And um, over 30 years, what we began to notice, and this is the, the most exciting part of this for me, is that the son of David, Solomon, was right when he wrote in Ecclesiastes, that which has been is what will be, and that which is done is what will be done, and there is really nothing new under the sun. So what, what my friends and I in this business began to see are repeating patterns, and we hoped that there would only be seven. We didn't really want to make another big book. Mm-hmm. But we found these patterns repeating just over and over and over. And they showed up on napkins in restaurants when we were having arguments about why change or transformation projects weren't working, and we'd take a pen and we'd sketch something. Hmm. But we'd find ourselves sketching it in Detroit, in Nairobi, you know, wherever we were working, it would be the same sketches over 30 years. And so we collected them into a book. And um, the book isn't, doesn't really go tremendously deep. It is really a collection of the essentials and, and puts them all in one place. You know, I think one of the things that um, those who, who handed me the book loved about the primes and, and the book that you've written is that it's um, graphically interesting. You know, you've illustrated it with these graphics that really show visually what the idea is that you're talking about with each prime. And then it is quite simple to read and use. So you don't have to, um, you know, read, you know, 20 pages on each prime to understand what it is. You've made it very, very user-friendly and simple, which is actually a hard thing to do. Um, I'm curious, you know, as you, as you have collected these primes, um, what kind of feedback do you get? You know, how are people using them? Um, it's, been, it's been kind of mixed in a way. There's people that read the book from beginning to end, and I've never had that experience because we discovered the primes just as we needed them. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the first time they've ever been put together in one work. And then there's other people that just kind of, it's designed so that you can 
kind of look at the table of contents, and we hope that the one you need will kind of jump off the page. And we get a lot of feedback um, that people kind of engage with it prime by prime. Today's prime, the favorite that jumped off the page, um, two weeks from there, uh, another one jumps off the page. So we get a lot of feedback that people are kind of using it that way. Uh, students at the University of Maryland and around the Washington, D.C. area where we outfit with the primes, they are, they're reading it from beginning to end, and, and they, they seem to enjoy it that way. So it's kind of a mix to us on how people are using it. Yeah, you know, I've, I've, I think I've been using it both ways. I've been, um, I've been reading it because there's a logic, I think, to, to the way you've organized it, actually. But I'm finding that I can flip it open and pull one out and get something from it, you know, in the moment, you know, in the day with a specific project that I'm working on, you know, so I think, I think that's been true to my experience at least. Um, you know, you say, I think on your website that there are two primes that seem to be, um, core or central to a lot of the work that you do. I think one is called core prime and one is called uh, red point, you know, tell us about those. Well, the core prime uh, basically confronts you with five critical conversations, five agreements that a group of stakeholders must uh, forge if they want to access enough power to overcome the resting power of the current state. And those agreements begin with, um, you know, agreeing on what is, what's called the current state. And um, I'll just go over the five briefly, and there's sure. we can talk about any sure. in detail. But uh, that tends to be the hardest because people bring facts, stories, and beliefs, and their and their different perspectives. So it's it's really difficult to get people to actually agree on what is, and that's often rushed through. People just want to get through that phase as fast as possible. We don't. We stay there until there's agreement. The next mm -hmm. area that is important is the environmental dynamics, things that are going to affect you and what you're up to, but you cannot control. Number three is the most important. It is what's at stake. So what? Now, Martin Luther said the conversion of a system, the conversion of a person, is three conversions, the mind, the heart, and the wallet. Hmm. So the prime stake indicates that you can talk about the fact that there's a current state and problems, but you won't do anything about it until you have sufficiently internalized that something either positive will be missed or negative will happen at a truly personal level. And that has to really appeal to the mind, heart, and wallet. So the stake, the third agreement, is the most important because everything else is intellectual until that happens. And you would be surprised how many times we go in after people have spent millions and millions of dollars on change efforts, and we examine what the, the what's at stake, and it's just not there. The fourth conversation, then, is what do we intend? What is our vision? Now we've established the creative tension between the current state and the vision because something's at stake. And that is begging now for closure. And that's when we the arrow that connects those two is called strategy. We mm -hmm. never use strategies, just strategy, which is an organization of actions that bring us from the current state to the vision. So the core prime illuminates five key agreements and it replaces pages and pages of methodologies that we used to use. And, and you know, this really helps uh, groups focus on the right things and helps them see why it's urgent for them to take action. 
you know, as I'm listening to you talk about these five as is, you know, what seeing the current situation as it is, um, understanding the environment and agreeing about what's happening around us. And then, of course, agreeing what's at stake. And I find that one fascinating, actually. I'd love to talk more about that one. And then, of course, um, to be, you know, the vision of the future. And, you know, I think the language you use in, in the book is the future with which they've fallen in love. <laughs> a lot of energy toward that future, a lot of excitement about that future. And then finally, this strategy, um, how to move from as is to the to be, you know. So the core prime, the core prime really is, um, one that contains, from my perspective, it contains, um, as you said, a whole system for moving forward, um, yet it's quite um, simple. Yeah, I'm sure it's hard to do, simple to understand <laughs> as you're describing it. Um, thank you. And, you know, we just have another minute or two, but it could, could you briefly describe Redpoint? I know that's the other one. I would love to. I know you have a very sophisticated audience listening, and I really want to draw the distinction. In, pri- in the core prime, the current state and the vision are usually separated by years. And so when you build a strategy, it's a strategy that spans years. But in this time, people get bored and fatigued by those kind of strategies. Red point is an organized set of actions that is approximately 6 to 18 months long. The outcome is date certain. The date will not be negotiated. And uh, so it, it, it basically chunks a piece of work that is designed to break the back of the current state and put the people on an irrevocable path to the future. It does not allow them to achieve the vision. It simply allows them to destroy the current state so there's no return. It's a fascinating idea. It comes from mountain climbing. Thank you so much. We're going to take a break. This is Kate Ebner, Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life, and we'll be right back. talking business talk to an expert call now toll free 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 voice america business network think of the world 50 years ago now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Is your business model robust enough? In today's ever-changing business environment, people are working to transform themselves, their futures, and their business. Tune in to Business Reinvention with your host, Nancy Lynn. To stay ahead of the game in business, you have to constantly reinvent yourself and your organization. With Nancy's experience and that of her guest experts, you'll learn from stories of inspiration, innovation, and forward thinking. Listen for Business Reinvention, live every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. 
That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back. My guest today is Mr. Chris McGough, founder of The Clearing Inc., a Washington, D.C.-based management consulting firm that supports change agents as they tackle the most daunting and complex problems facing organizations. Chris has been doing this work for more than 30 years, and today he's sharing what he knows about how any group can solve any problem. And we were just talking before the break about one of the primes, one of the, you know, the core, the core point prime that really, um, is often used in the organizations he works with. And I wanted to ask you, Chris, about another prime that, you know, that I know is, um, incredibly valuable to the groups and, and organizations that you work with. And it's, I believe it's called Red Point. And tell us about Red Point. It's one of my favorites. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, the, the problem that we're seeing, 86% of large-scale change efforts fail outright. The 14% that you know, somehow get finished, 50% of them fail to meet the expectations at outset. So we as people are really bad at doing big things. And so I know your readers know that or your listeners know that, and they're probably out there smiling right now because it's a lot of smart people that are screwing this stuff up, and I'm one of them. That <laughs> <laughs> point. We've all so if you, look at, if you look at core prime, as is, and vision can be separated by five years. And so typically we build strategies that close that gap five years. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's, it's too much for us to take on in this Internet age, this high-speed age we're in. Red point. It says, look, what are the fewest, most important things we could do right now that would take us between six months and 18 months, no more than 18 and no more than two or three things that would meet these criteria. If we, when we complete them successfully, date certain, it would break the back of the current state and put us on an irrevocable course to our vision. It will not get us to our vision, but it will break the back of the current state and put us on an irrevocable course to our vision. And it is this chunking, which we call red point, which puts all the energy in. The people just get so jacked on this thing. And it's been very successful in the projects we've been working. Now, to your listeners, it's very important that they really understand dates cannot be moved. We, we never negotiate the movement of a date. So that eliminates, like if somebody has a better idea, we say, well, that's great. Can we factor the idea in? But if we have to increase money or people, that's one thing. But we can't move the date. And it comes from mountain climbing. And if I could just expand for one second, when you have a big mountain to climb, the guides will, you know, on the first leg of the journey, they'll say, well, you can take pictures or have tea or anything you want, but we have to get to that ledge up there by 3 o'clock this afternoon or we die. It's not the top of the mountain. It's the intermediate point where supplies are. And that's mm-hmm. called a red point. And not getting there before dark is death. So we create these intermediate points, and we use this mountain climbing metaphor called red point, and it really charges the groups up. They have all these intermediate victories, and it's a, it's a, it's a, lot, it's a big source of innovation and um, creativity. Chris, what happens? Like, I, I love this, and the time being a real stake in the ground around um, attainment of a particular outcome or, or a getting to a particular you know, point in the, in the process you know, of moving forward to the vision or to the to be, you know, what, how do, how do groups respond about the, the deadline nature of this? I mean, do you see people try to get out of that? 
or do they really get it and it really they really understand that that's the variable that can't change? Oh, all of the above. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, the one thing that happens, a lot of people call us and they say, oh, we're trying to build a culture of innovation. And we're like, well, put a red point together. Uh, don't try for a cult. Don't chase innovation. Chase an outcome, date certain. And what happens is people basically, no matter how much we tell them, they kind of fool around at the beginning of these red points. But as that future date is racing towards them, instead of thinking moving towards the future, think of the future date moving towards you. And it's coming at you and you can't do anything about it. And you've given your word to complete this project, this set of projects by then. And so as the date gets closer, people just start to innovate and get creative. And they get up against it and their worst nature comes out and their best nature comes out. It's amazing the kind of stuff that comes out as you get closer to these red points. And so many of the the real victories are in the last tenth or, you know, the last little bit of time available in the red point. Real fun stuff. People get really, really high in these things. You know, I love what you said a minute ago about don't chase innovation, chase outcome, you know, and, and this idea of time moving toward us, you know, instead of us moving toward time. You know, I, I think there's a, um, that reframing actually helps us to focus, which is really what Red Point seems to be all about, you know, focus. And, um, you know, I, I can see how helpful this would be already. I mean, it's energizing, actually, to just even think about um, having having worked through the core prime, how to then, you know, really focus on what are the most important things we could do and what are the fewest most important things we could do to get to this um, this point in time that's immovable. Um, can you give us an example of an organization or group that, that's, you know, had a, had an effective experience with the primes? Oh. Uh. I, I really can. Um, I mean, the, we draw from the past work at World Bank, Ford, DuPont, DOD, Kenya, uh, the United Nations. That's kind of our past work. Um, and we still work with some of those people. But right now, in our radar pattern, um, these are the, the things that, uh, that I can share with your, with your listeners. Um, one of the projects we're working on is growing a small and medium capitalistic enterprises in Afghanistan. And you know, you have to build a, a, a mechanism and a vehicle for financing, and you have to build a banking, you have to build all these things just to get a loan over to these people. But, and that's all well and good, but you can get trapped in all those mechanisms unless you say, on this date, we will fund a business. Now, when you set your goal there, you have to create all these other infrastructures and facilities to do all that. And so that date is racing towards us right now. And we're in partnership with uh, the Department of Defense, the people of Afghanistan, IBM and others, all these strange coalitions and accidental adversaries. And we have this Mm -hmm. one date racing towards us. And so I think we're going to make it. It's going to be close. uh, And it's very exciting. So that's an example. And that's, you know, kind of really complicated stuff. Modernizing air traffic control. uh, That's another one we're working on right now. It's been tried for like 20 years. They've spent billions of dollars on it. And just I really haven't been able to pull it off. Um, but right now we're making a lot of progress on that. We're racing towards a date. Um, we have a lot of clients with the United States federal government right now because that's just the, what's at stake there is, in my lifetime, has never been so real. And, you know, it's coming. Mm-hmm. January 1st is coming, and that's when the budget cuts hit. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, California went broke, and um, so many other social services out there were funded by the state. So companies that are providing services to the um, mentally challenged and the autistic communities, they've lost their funding sources. 
Yet at the same time, autism is just skyrocketing. So we're out there working with some companies, um, trying to get them to pivot into the insurance world away from the from the California government funding. It's just, it's very high stakes stuff, and all being driven by Redpoint. So these are just some of the kind of um, I'm I'm here in Houston right now, uh, getting ready to work with some oil companies on cybersecurity and pirate piracy and and the Marcellus Shale. A lot of stake there. So these are the kind of things we're working on right now. And and when you go into an organization, um, I'm I'm curious about, you know, I sort of am thinking of you, Chris, like a doctor with a big black bag filled with the primes. <laughs> and you can pull them out um, and sort of, uh, di- you know, select which ones are going to be the right medicine, so to speak, for, the, for this particular circumstance. Um, but I'm curious, you know, how do you actually approach... Um, connecting with a, a group who has one of these really complex and, and daunting problems? What, what's your methodology there? Oh, Kate, that is, that is such a, a good question. You, you know, I, I, your, re, your listeners are very, very sophisticated from what I can tell, and I want you to know that it, it's, it's really a matter of chemistry, and I know that they know that already. Um, these are very personal experiences. When the leader and the key stakeholders stand for a new possibility, the very first thing that confronts them is their own stuff, their own personal stuff. I mean, you can't stand for changing systems without being confronted with your own personal opportunity for transformation. This is very, this shows up at a very personal level. Uh, Fear of looking bad, avoiding shame, um, things that you, when you were seven years old, just kind of come up. Uh, So, Mm. These are very personal experiences, even though we're working in extremely large systems. And so, you know, we talk to many people and it kind of clicks in with, you know, the certain ones where, where we match what they need and, and they kind of show up in a way that we think we can work with them. So, you know, once that happens, this is all based on trust. And our team has to grow with them. Uh, it's like going on a safari or climbing a mountain together. You learn a lot about yourself and these other people. It's very personal. So it's not prescriptive, and it's not you know where we're the smart people and they're the dumb people. It's very much a partnership, and uh, they're on the other end of our rope, and we're on the other end of theirs, and we just trust each other. It's it's really the answer to your question is trust. Trust, and and um, it sounds like really an ideal client for you is someone who wants to solve a problem or get to a different um, a, a different state um, badly enough to risk um, trust and also the process of, as you said, confronting themselves in the process of, of accomplishing it. You know, and as a leadership coach, I see that all the time, right? We, we want what we want. Are we willing to be who we need to be in order to, to make that happen? And so there's you know, that developmental opportunity that comes as we step up to the big challenges and as we really commit that we're going to make them happen, inevitably they change us. And so it's a process of almost letting go of your old comfort zone, your old ideas of who you are, and being uh, courageous enough to step into it and to trust a partner um, like The Clearing to do that. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that. You know, and as I've as I think about the primes, and we're going to take a break in a minute here, but it seems like they're wor- you're wor- using them to work with some of these you know, incredibly complex questions and issues of the day. But I can also see that they're useful for 
small groups, for individuals, even for families. You know, what do you think? Is it, do you do you agree? They show up at church groups, land planning groups in Montgomery County. They show up in the Cub Scouts. They show up in classrooms, and uh, yeah. and that's some of my favorite work. Yeah, and that's the, speaking back again to that the universal uh, truth that's that's in in the primes. You've captured them, but they're available to all of us um, in, in in every aspect of our lives. Um, so, you know, as we as we talk about this, Chris, um, you know, I'm curious, what's exciting to you about the work you're doing? Oh, I know we're coming to break, but there's a moment in our engagements when. We're all sitting around the table. In the beginning of our engagements, no one is sure. We can't say this is going to work all the time. Change efforts don't work all the time. So at the beginning of these things, it's a dice roll. But there's a moment, Kate, and I know people in your audience know it, where you all look at each other and you say, we can do this. And it's not at the beginning. You fake like it is at the beginning, and you do some work. But then somewhere along the line, my client looks over, and you can see it in their eyes. They're like... I'm, I'm willing to do this. We're really going to do this. And that's the day the project really starts. And that's what I live for, are those moments when we all look at each other and say, we're going to make this work. Oh, it's like a visceral sensation. <laughs> it, it is. It's visceral. It's, we just had uh-huh. one recently. And it's, it just, it, it's, it's, just, it's, it's the real compensation for this work. Absolutely, it is. Hey, you know, we're giving away one of Chris's books titled The Primes, How Any Group Can Solve Any Problem. Uh, go to nebocompany.com and sign up for our e-newsletter between now and July 1st, and you'll be eligible for a drawing. We'll do that drawing on July 1st, and if you're the winner, we'll send you a free copy of Chris's book, um, The Primes. And while you're there, I want you to know you can do a free visioning exercise on the Nebo site. Just answer a few questions and press submit, and your vision will come back to you immediately as an email, as a letter to yourself. It's a great start as you step up to be a visionary leader. We're going to take a short break, but we'll be right back. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. If you're ready to find your personal brand, look no further than Brand Your Fire, Get What You Want Radio with host Monica Magnetti. To achieve success in business, who you are and how you're presenting yourself makes all of the difference. Some of the topics discussed on our show include personal branding, what it is and how it will help you. We'll discuss the aspects of this, including how to create a brand, drive traffic, and increase SEO. Brand Your Fire, Get What You Want Radio airs live every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Play ball! If you're looking to talk baseball, even in the offseason, look no further than the King's Corner Talking Baseball with former World Series champion Jim Lairitz. Jim's known for a rather controversial stance during his show. He's brutally honest and ready to talk with current and former players, owners, and other key figures to bring you baseball from an insider's view. You won't want to miss a single episode. The King's Corner Talking Baseball with Jim Lairitz is heard every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. 
We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back. This is Kate, and my guest Chris McGough and I have been talking today about what happens when people and organizations are faced with change or want to create change and how to work with that change in a positive, constructive way using um, these universal, um, I don't want to call them tools, these universal patterns of high performance, these primes. Um, Chris, I'd love to ask you to share more about um, something we both talk and think and work on quite a lot, and that's leadership and the idea of leading. And I notice um, in your book that you really put forward some clear distinctions about leading versus managing, um, you know, what does leadership or leading mean to you? Yeah, Kate, this is, uh, this really hit us hard about 10 years ago when we it just, I'm sure some of your listeners had this insight way before I did, but the, the problem we were facing was that there's a noun called leader. There's a noun called manager. Um, and they're really not useful distinctions. It's the verbs that are most useful, leading and managing. So the primes discounts the nouns, and it focuses on the verb leading. And so we just poured over so much material and uh, consolidated our insights over the 30 years and said, what is it about these people who drive these changes and transformations? What are they doing? And we came to this really simple conclusion. They are setting direction, allocating resources, and inspiring action. Setting direction, allocating resources, and inspiring action. And they hold themselves accountable for the results. So the prime leading distinguishes leading that way. Mm -hmm. And it creates the possibility that anyone at any time in a system, regardless of title or ceiling tiles or whatever, can take on leading. And in fact, we do take on leading. So we believe that every person on earth is capable of and is called to the act of leading at some time or another. We also believe that many people who are in leadership roles are not leading. Yes. And what would you say they're doing that's perhaps they think is leading but isn't? Well, leading is a scary task. I mean, you're making decisions in ambiguity, and you're basically going first. So people <laughs> who are, uh, you know, got some unresolved issues at home and some unresolved issues with childhood, you know, they don't 
they don't, they're very afraid of looking bad. And so what they do is they tend to run inside the system and kind of solve problems and rescue customers and hire people. They work in their business versus uh, on their business. I see. When a, when a, when a, when a, a person in a leader role goes into a system to work, they have a lot of power at their disposal, so they can get a lot of eagle soldiers in there. They can do a lot of things right, and they get this immediate sensory gratification from everybody. So it's, it's a little bit like you know, being addicted to a drug when a leader goes into a system and works inside its frame. When they're up there working on their system, setting a new direction, inspiring action to that new direction, and allocating scarce resources and investing those resources in that new direction, there's a much higher probability that they will be wrong and that's what, that's what keeps people, you know, in, inside the, the, the framework, that safe place called, I need to save the day, there's a customer that needs me, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's very dark business, actually. When you talk to, when you talk to people in leadership positions, they, they're much more comfortable working in the system. Well, I agree with you, and, and I, I think one of the things that really called me to leadership coaching was... Uh, you know, my own experience and also my observation of leaders as people who often feel lonely in the work because they experience the risk and the responsibility, the accountability, as you would say, and, um, you know, often perceive that there's not a, there's not a support. There's not a conversation they can be having about what they don't know. Um, instead they need to provide that, the, the answers they need to, they need to do that heroic leadership model that, that you're referring to. And uh, I know that your approach with the primes really invites leaders to, um, to engage as, as a group, to, to actually bring that leadership in, in the way that you're describing the leading prime, but then also to, to empower and, and call on the, the gifts and talents of, of the other people in the room. So it's a, an expansive concept of leadership, if I'm understanding it correctly. Is that right? Yeah, it, I mean, it, it's one of those things that confront you again. And I, I want, I want a full disclosure here. I, I, I founded a company where there's a lot of consultants, and I find myself in the business often because it's it's safe and comfortable, and I, I I feel powerful there. So this is these primes affect everybody. Knowing that they exist doesn't mean that they're not confronting you. So it, when 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 an, when an owner of a law firm is practicing law, they're in the business. Mm-hmm. When an owner of a doctor's uh, partnership is is doing doctoring. They're in the business, and when people who own consulting firms are consulting, they're in the business. So, you know, I think the first thing that we all have to get is the distinction between in and on, and we have to be able to highlight our calendars, different colors, when we're working in the business and on the business. That's a very revealing process right there. Well, what, what advice do you really have for people who are leading and who need to be working on rather than in. I mean, what, what advice, what, give, give us some advice about that. I have a very specific piece of advice based on personal experience and the experience of some of my, my most joyous moments with clients. That is, when you're leading, you are confronted with your own possibility of growth. So yes, it's, yes, it's a little scary. Yes, it's a little weird. But it is such a source of personal growth. And that's the way to see it. And we know clearly from a, a sacred scripture that, um, you know, without vision, the people will perish. And the only way towards a vision is through leading. Managers will they'll work the Six Sigma. They'll take the burrs off the saddle. They'll, they'll work inside the system and make it hum. 
leaders change the frame of the system. And I just want everybody out there to understand, it's the greatest ride going. You come out the other end of it a better person. And that is from 30 years of experience of people like Jim Wolfenson, who ran the World Bank, and Don Shepard, who ran Air Force, and I could go on and on. We came out of these projects, I, I really believe, better people. You know, I couldn't, I, I mean, I, that certainly rings true to my experience and my own leadership and my own experience with leaders. And I, I, I love the, um, I don't know, the invitation you're really giving to our listeners to step into leading, um, to, to, to embrace it as the developmental opportunity that it really is for them. You know, Chris, to, to shift us just a little bit and to pick up on the word vision you used a minute ago, you know, I've talked on this show before about the premise that if we really do want to create a more sustainable and harmonious future, we have to learn how to create it ourselves, that now is not the time for any one of us to be sitting passively by waiting for the world's problems to be solved by somebody else, that we individually um, can be leaders, we can be visionaries, we can actually take a strong hand in creating the future that we want. And it sounds to me like your work really it does invite people to be courageous and take this step forward. And I know some of your primes really work uh, on vision. And I wonder if you could tell us about the role that vision plays in the, um, in, in the approach that, you're, that you use. Well, you know, in core prime, it's, it's, uh, it's the fourth conversation. It creates the creative tension between the as-is. You know, it, it is the source of the creative tension. So, you know, vision is critical. Um, I like the way Dr. Russ, I, some of your uh, listeners probably know Russ Acoff, uh, just a, a seminal thinker. He's been around a long time. And, and I love his quote when he said, the future is largely subject to our creation. Uh, it's a useful myth that we can create the future. And uh, many people do that. Leaders do that. So what is this vision thing? And why do so many organizations not have visions? So we've been looking at that very closely. And then we look back at civilizations and when they've had their vision and lost their vision. And we've looked back at industries like the Swiss, you know, Swiss watchmakers. And so here's what we've concluded about visions. They're essential. Um, leaders don't build them because they're afraid if they bring them forward, they'll look bad. Hmm. Leaders don't build them because they don't feel competent. The world feels like it's too complex and there's too many things they don't know. That's one we've asked leaders for a long time now, and that's the things they tell us. So what we've learned is that the greatest leaders in the world throughout time have felt the same way. It's not a function of the Internet. It's just a function of life. So here's what we know. First of all, the worst leaders in the world bring no vision. But the ones that are almost as bad bring too much vision. They bring all the answers and they bring this big thing and so much of it just causes resistance. The masters of this game, they bring a piece of Swiss cheese. It's kind of delicious in what it says and it's got gaping holes in it. And they're gutsy enough to say, I don't know everything about the future of our business, but let me tell you what I can see. And they name the things very important to them. And everybody gets really enrolled in that. And then the leader says, but I don't know all this other stuff. Can you help me? And then people just bring forth little pieces of Swiss cheese to stick in the holes of the first piece of Swiss cheese. And then more people bring littler pieces. And we call it dynamic incompleteness. So when we look back at visionary organizations, 
they're always visioning. They're always refining and defining this notion that is just so inspiring to them. So this frees leaders to imagine things and also be unable to imagine parts of it. And when we tell this to our clients, they just become little kids with this stuff. They're like, you mean I don't have to have all the... No, you don't have to have all the answers. That's in fact, even if you did, we wouldn't want you to bring them all forward because there's no room for co-creation. So this idea of Swiss cheese visioning has been uh, very popular with our clients. And, and we get real excited when we watch Don Shepard come into the, into the Air National Guard in 1990, let's see, it was 19, 1987, and say, he's an older man, three-star general, wounded in combat. And he said, look, I don't know a lot about these little computers that are coming, but I know the Air National Guard is going to use them better than anyone else in the Department of Defense. And I know that the glasses we wear are going to have our heads-up display on it, and I'll probably never use them, but I'm going to be the leader that causes them for the generation to come. And I don't even know what that really means. Does anybody, can anybody help me? And 54 adjutant generals stand up and say, yeah, yeah, we can help you with this. We've got people that can help you with this. And that was the birth of CyberGuard. And if you look at the machines they're using right now, they're so far ahead of everybody. And that Chris, was Don Shepard. That's a fantastic example. Thank you so much. We're going to take a break. This is Kate Ebner, Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life, and we'll be right back. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back. This is Kate, and I'm talking with Chris McGough, a visionary change agent whose approach called the Primes gives us a universal, simple, and straightforward way to deal with change and the challenging dynamics that come with it. Um, Chris and I have been talking about vision. We've also been talking about what leadership really means and about... um, 
you know, leading by working on rather than in the business, whatever your business is. I want to continue, Chris, with our conversation about um, vision. And you talked about dynamic incompleteness, uh, one of your primes, which you also called kind of Swiss cheese visioning, leaving some holes for people to help fill in rather than coming with the whole thing, you know, completely baked and, and ready to go with, you know, no room for input. You have a couple of other primes that are dedicated to vision. Um, you have a, a prime related to visioning called Trust the Universe. And this particular prime asks, is your vision limited to what you've already seen? Um, you seem to be encouraging people to visualize beyond what they currently know. And I wonder if you could tell us what you mean by that one. Well, <laughs> for those in your audience who will read this prime, they'll see Dennis Whittle, uh, the, the executive from the World Bank, uh, get very emotional when he talks about it in the book. Uh, Trust the universe may or may not be true, but it is definitely useful. I really encourage the people to look at Dennis's opinion on this particular prime. Trust the universe says, look, most of what was out there in the world, you don't even know you don't know. It turns out Rumsfeld was right on something. Uh, you don't even know you don't know most <laughs> of what's out there. Mm -hmm. um, so when we vision, we either believe that the universe has gifts for us that we don't even know it has, or we vision in the confines of what we know and what we know we don't know. This is not abstract stuff. This is real. How many times have you decided to go on a vacation to a strange country, say Croatia, and all of a sudden, once you declare and buy the tickets, you start seeing all this stuff from Croatia, and you find friends who have friends that have been there, and somebody's aunt has a friend there that you can stay at their house. So, so the universe can't really bring you gifts until you make a declaration of what it is you intend. So trust the universe says, look, you vision to the point where you say, that would be so cool. I mean, I'm in love with this idea. Let the world take care of the rest of it. There are so many gifts out there that are ready for anyone who takes a stand. That's what trust the universe means. But your readers have to, or your listener audience has to, has to read Dennis's uh, opinion on this. Uh, there's another side to it. He agrees with trust the universe, but it also is a little bit dangerous at times. So I'm going to leave that mystery for those who choose to read that chapter. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Hey, could I you ask know, one more thing of you? Uh, oh, surely. Um, if I could, I think that the prime ennoblement would go very well right here. May I speak Let's a minute hear. on that? Go ahead. Ennoblement, I'd ask all of your listeners to examine their current visions, if they have one, of their businesses. And well, ennoblement used to be called the donut rule, but our uh, editor said we were using too many food metaphors. <laughs> so it's now called a nobleman. But when we examine the companies, when you walk into them, you can just feel the inspiration. The first sentence of their vision is never about them. You know, when you look at, 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 at visions, they start with, we, we imagine a world where whales swim freely, or we imagine a world where uh, any child on the autism spectrum reaches their fullest possibilities before the age of three. So these great visions start with the construct of world and then move into what the business is doing in that great world. If your vision begins with anything about you or your company, it is typically not ennobling. There is no ennoblement in a vision for a company. There is only ennoblement in a world that that company is causing and standing for. 
So I wanted to outfit the audience with this because it's something you can do right now. Go look at your visions and see if the first three or four sentences talk about a world that you're literally in love with and willing to take on your own poo to cause. I love it. I love it. And I, you know, I do so much work with vision with organizations myself, Chris, I'm going to have to flip back and make sure we talked about the world first. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is a, this is a really, really great tip and it's very clear the way you've articulated it, why it's important. You know, we only have a few minutes left and I really just have to do this. Um, You and I are both from Northeastern Pennsylvania, um, very specific, you know, part of the world, part of the Mid-Atlantic. And as you know, I grew up in a small town called Montrose, northwest of Scranton and about 25 miles south of Binghamton. And Chris, you grew up in the valley, Scranton-Wilkes-Barre area. And we had a fun conversation about growing up there. You said that your roots have really shaped who you are today and how you do business and probably even the business that you do. Uh, I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit about how being from the valley has shaped the way you yourself lead. Well, Scranton is a mecca of taste and culture. It's also (laughs) some of the toughest buyers you'll ever meet in your life. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's face it, those people, they they don't suffer fools lightly up there. Mm-hmm. They're, they're the immigrant miners, for heaven's sakes. Um, so, you know, I really, I'm sure that other parts of the country can say the same, but I value my roots. Um, the, the value system up in that area, northeastern Pennsylvania, was get up early, work hard, and be your word. And uh, so my family was in the funeral business. And as a very young guy, I was, you know, woken up and went with my dad on cold nights to go to a house where someone had died or a man didn't come home from work or, you know, a woman, you know, just wasn't going to be there the next day. And I lived in that world for many, many years until I went to college. And, you know, that, you know, I think the poet um, uh, Mary Oliver said it best when she said, doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? When you grow up in the funeral business, how many times do you hear, I didn't know he was going to die, or, you know, I didn't, I, I would have said, I would have done something. I wished he only got to that fishing trip in Alaska. I wish she only got to, you know, write that book she was working on. That's coded into a young guy, because uh, I lived in death, and that mm-hmm. makes life really precious to me. And then I had the pleasure of working for IBM for 10 years in the Valley, um, and they, they really instilled in a young guy um, management, leadership, listening, the value of, of people's opinions. So that area, to me, um, it just instilled some fundamentals to me. And I went down to D.C. and thought, geez, if I just get up early and work hard, and I mean, you know, I can, I can make things work here. And, and it proved to be true. Well... It's um, it is quite a uh, qu- quite an amazing part of the country. It's a place where, as you said, you are your word, and I think um, understanding that what you do is a lot less important than who you are and 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 how you bring yourself. Uh, and so I, I I can see in the way your work actually conveys some of those values really show up. Now this is a trick question for you. Do you know what the word pank means? Pank. Listen, anyone. Everyone should know what the word pank means. When (laughs) when it snows and you pick up snow, you have to pank it down to make a snowball. (laughs) Is that correct? 
Well, you got it. I, I thought that pank was a word that the whole country used. And I, being from northeastern Pennsylvania, was panking down some snow. And I said to my husband, just pank that down. He said, what does pank mean? Well, we looked it up. It is a slang word from northeastern Pennsylvania. It is from Nipah, northeastern Pennsylvania, and is not known in the country. So I wanted to see if you knew it. <laughs> you passed There's no way test. to not know that word. I went to the University of Scranton, for heaven's sakes. Exactly. We well, we no, just to get in the door half the time. Exactly. A lot of panking going on. Well, listen, I want to say thank you for joining me today. This has been a a very rich hour uh, for for everyone and certainly inspiring to me. I'm going to be going back and looking at my own vision statement and those of my clients and I invite everyone to go and get the primes and begin to really tap into this universally true approach, this wisdom that Chris McGough has assembled for us. Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. It has been an honor to speak into the listening of your audience and to be with you today, Kate. Well, it is certainly, uh, you know, the honor is ours, and we are going to be giving away one of your books. I hope people will come to our website, nebocompany.com, and sign up for our newsletter. That's what will qualify you for the drawing for the book. So have a great day and a great week, everybody, and thank you again, Chris. Dare mighty things. We sincerely hope you've enjoyed hearing from leaders who are using vision to create an inspiring future. Please join host Kate Ebner for another edition of Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business Channel. Meanwhile, visit www.nebocompany.com for more tips on bringing your own vision to life.